Over the past few years, but especially since the pandemic began and has gone on, an emerging trend has appeared within the games industry. Cozy, wholesome games. These games have existed since long before 2020, but in a time where the world has become a lot more cynical and scary thanks to outside events and in need of something comforting while we've been stuck inside for the better part of two years at this point, they've become a lot more prevalent. But outside of games like Animal Crossing or other games like it within the area, a subspace of smaller games within the wholesome space from independent developers was mainly overlooked. That was until a Twitter account started profiling these titles and grew a following off the back of them to the point it now hosts online showcases showing them off, including its yearly annual direct presentations, Journey Free. In a special 90 minute long episode of Press Play, developers of Wholesome Games and key figures within Wholesome Games the community talk to Play Diaries on delving into the area, its growth, what comes next, and a movement that could arguably become a full-blown genre in its own right, if not already. For Play Diaries, this is Press Play. I'm Johnny Cole. Let's start. In 2017, a set of developers provided a white paper on the space of cozy games. The paper, provided by a think tank of game developers known as Project Horseshoe, comprising of the likes of Kit Fox Games CEO Tanya Short, Sperry Fox's creative director Daniel Cook and more, delved into the definition of cozy games, what they provide and more. In the white paper, it defined coziness down to three core tenets. Safety a sense of abundance, and softness. When you see the terms wholesome or cozy games, you think of the likes of, say, Animal Crossing, Stardew Valley, Harvest Moon, etc. Right? While they do fit in with the term, you can find wholesome games, or at least wholesome gaming moments anyway, in games you wouldn't expect them. What about the relationship between the four male leads of Final Fantasy XV and an endearing road trip? or having dinner together with your friends in Café Leblanc during Persona 5. As you'll hear in this episode, Death Stranding, one of the bleakest games in recent times, and certainly the most timely too considering what's going on in the world, is even cited as an example of having such moments. Wholesome games can and do exist in some form in AAA, but especially within indies, who arguably need it, and still do need, a lot more support to get eyes in front of their games, some of the AAA stuff. Two and a half, nearly three years ago now nearly, in February of 2019, brothers Matthew Taylor and James Tillman helped co-found along with Jacob Bloomstein a Twitter account that started as a hobby to curate games that were looking to be cosy, welcoming and most importantly, wholesome. The account was named Wholesome Games. Taylor and Tillman also happen to live in a rural part of North Carolina, which by the former's admission doesn't have a game dev community there. Both are working on their own wholesome game, Rolling Hills, a life sim where you open up your own restaurant as a sushi chef and come up with your own sushi recipes. The creation of the account came about at a time when Taylor was excited in particular for two games that fit within the wholesome moniker, Minico's Night Market from Sperry Fox and Glumberland's 
Ooblets. It was Tillman who came up with the name and overall gist of the Twitter account, according to Taylor. I, I still remember that launch where I, I think James came up with the the basic concept, and then I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, we'll just keep it simple. Like It'll be something we can do while we're still making games, and uh, it just went from there. That's Matthew Taylor. I, I do think one interesting like aspect of it is that uh, going into it, we were aware of like the concept of cozy games because uh, I think there had been a panel a year or two before that had been about cozy games at PAX West. And that's James Tillman. But I, I think we like found this distinction where we were like, there are lots of games that do not cozy things. Um, at, at first, it was like more... I guess like surface examples like battling and Pokemon, we were like everyone in our community, like and not everyone, but like ninety nine percent of the community is into this game. So like, uh, what what's it, it's really almost this like retrospective analysis where it's like we saw who, who the community was, what they were playing, and we tried to like look back and see like what do these games have in common that all these people like them, and of course like now that it's something we've like eat sleeped and breathed every day for uh, a couple of years now uh there are like more stark examples like I, I had someone in the past few months say to me they were like yakuza like a dragon is the most wholesome game i've ever played uh and so i think that like really kind of shines that light on what like an inclusive uh genre it has to be if it's a genre like um people uh i don't know there there there's a lot to it there's a lot of gray area there's a lot of nuance that i think is uh part of what makes it fun to discuss and uh makes it something that attracts so many different people the creation of the twitter account also came at a time when ooblets and minico's night market were not only on the way minico is actually still yet to launch from developer Mialza games and ooblets is still in early access and we'll get to ooblets pivotal role in the scene later on but saw at a time when it seemed like there was demand for a spotlight to be given to games like them and others. The same week the Wholesome Games Twitter account launched, a Discord server set up by Taylor, Tillman and others saw somewhere between 600 to 900 people join it in its first week, according to Tillman. There was definitely a demand, but as Tillman puts it, there was also a supply problem too. I, I Actually, I, I loved, uh, was it business insider or forbes somebody like that wrote about it and had this really uh, interesting take on it where they were like wholesome games like what they're addressing is not a demand problem it's a supply problem like the uh the problem wasn't that there weren't people who wanted to play wholesome games the problem is that there were a lot of people who wanted to play wholesome games and an industry that like for the most part didn't like care about reaching those players yeah i think that was a big uh reason we started the account in the first place was like these games that that's what was new about ooblets and minico's night market was and animal crossing to agree like the idea that adults would want to play these kinds of games like i think there had been a long time when it was like these are kids slash nintendo games casual games casual games whatever you want to call it so like that that was a big uh, a big important part. If Wholesome Games needed one last bit of proof that there was a demand for more of these sorts of games, it came in 2020 when put together a panel for PAX East, which also happened to be the last major games event before the pandemic escalated and lockdown began. When PAX organizers asked panel organizer Jenny Wyndham 
a key figure to the Wholesome Games community, how many would come out for it in order for her to be happy. As Tillman puts it, she said one. The overall turnout was 400 attendees, standing room only. This was a we're no longer in Kansas moment, if ever there was one. It's It's been pretty incredible because I think um, exactly what James and Matthew have been saying is this, this is a group of people, and I think even people who didn't even know they were interested in games, who finally f- have been able to find camaraderie in the sense that um, there are things that match their interests. Jenny Wyndham had grown up loving games all her life and was pulled towards games that had wholesome themes or the like, such as Harvest Moon or Animal Crossing. But it was while she was in college, amidst a period where the flavours of the day were Halo, Gears of War and Call of Duty, where she wasn't sure if she felt welcome playing games anymore, and as a result, weren't for her. I thought for a while that maybe gaming wasn't for me anymore because I hadn't found any games like Harvest Moon and Animal Crossing in so long. Mm. And so I think this ability, um, especially to be able to connect with folks like on the Discord, on the Twitter, like social media has played such a powerful role in providing a space for the community to grow and for people to find one another. And I think that's also really exciting. As I say to Wyndham, in something like the Wholesome Games Twitter and Discord communities, she managed to find something of a sense of belonging to. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I remember, I mean, for a while, just as being a kid, like playing video games was kind of like the secret <laughs> that wasn't cool, you know, and that's not the case anymore. But even when playing video games became more cool and normal and like not a weird nerdy thing, um, there still was an element of, well, I'd tell people I played like Zelda and I'd tell people I played Final Fantasy, but I didn't necessarily talk about things like Neopets or um, Harvest Moon or, you know, things that um, weren't as cool in that sort of cultural zeitgeist of cool video games. And I think there is this element of knowing other people who are excited and interested and having that camaraderie, feeling like you belong, exactly like you said. Um, And knowing that you can be excited about it, I think that's been really important. Um, It's not just like, oh yeah, I play this casual game on the side and you don't have to minimalize your excitement about something that you're genuinely interested in. Um, And I think that's been one thing I've enjoyed most about being a part of the community is being able to just openly love things that are soft and cozy and um, don't involve violence the most part. <laughs> Before being seen as a face of the presentations that Wholesome Games would put together, as well as helping to pull the strings behind the scenes as one of the key organisers, plus acting as community and social lead for many various independent developers and publishers, and a lead producer for Spirit Swap, Lo-Fi Beats the Match Free at Soft Not Weak, plus being a content creator and Twitch streamer in her own right, Wyndham had a background in education. Around 2016, she was a middle school teacher by day while starting to play games on Twitch by night. Something like a secret superhero identity to it. Well, and it's interesting because originally a lot of my um, content creation was fueled by the desire, A, to learn a lot of the technology I knew my students would probably need and want to learn, um, learning basic video editing, Photoshop type of things. But also I wanted to bring games into the classroom and I needed to find games that were appropriate to bring into the classroom um, and would help you know foster the the different lessons that I was trying to teach so um, not only was I personally interested in games that were more wholesome but I also needed to find them out of necessity because there are some 
really interesting things can be discussed about, you know, Gears of War, Halo, Call of Duty. I listed those before, but those are not necessarily mm. games I would bring into a middle school classroom um, for a variety of reasons. So I think uh, my education background definitely fueled my desire to find these kind of games to be able to share that excitement with kids as well. Because nothing says sweet and wholesome like bringing uh, <laughs> a game to something like 8 to 10 year olds and then having them just sort of chainsaw uh, yeah. Lucas basically. Parents probably wouldn't <laughs> have been very happy <laughs> with that. Wyndham says it was around that time when I asked of the game she was playing and also hoping to show to her students as a middle school teacher that Minecraft was still quote the new frontier unquote but was also starting to be used in schools in an educational sense. And I thought that was really, really cool. And eventually, to be very honest, I just didn't really enjoy Minecraft. <laughs> so I, I wanted to look for something else that I could use uh, with my students. And so that is, that's kind of what helped, like, again, propel me to look for more um, and dive back into games a little bit more. And I remember actually the first game, it's like more... It's more on the bittersweet side, but it's still very wholesome. I played To the Moon, um, and that was a game that I was like, okay, so I could see myself bringing something like, maybe not exactly To the Moon, but something like To the Moon to my class. We could play it in one sitting. We could discuss it. And these are things that um, I found really exciting because a lot of wholesome games, due to a variety of factors, um, tend to be a little bit shorter than sort of the AAA big budget type of games, mm. um, just because a lot of these are still quite indie. And so mm. I found myself realizing that this was not only a genre that thematically had a lot for students to explore, but also lengthwise, accessibility-wise, they didn't need higher-end computers. I could fund keys for my classes if I needed to because they were not, you know, $60, $70 games. So as, a, as an educator and someone who is trying to, you know, encourage more people to play games, because I think it's a wonderful medium, I think, not just with kids, but with other adults, it's really exciting how accessible the genre is. Genre. Aesthetic. I don't know what to call it sometimes. <laughs> I like genre. Yeah. constant thing that is cited as influential to the wholesome scene in recent times by the Wholesome Games Roundtable of Tillman, Taylor, and Wyndham, as well as developers we've been talking to over the past few months, is the development and early access launch of Ooblets from Ben Wassler and Rebecca Cordingly of developer Glumberland. Wassler and Cordingly declined an invitation to appear on this episode, at least in the traditional sense, by their own admission they don't do video and voice interviews well. But speaking via email, Wassler noted the separation between Wholesome Games as a scene and Wholesome Games the community, but had nothing but kind things to say on the team behind Wholesome Games the community. Quote, That group of folks have been super supportive and kind to us, and they work really hard to uplift game developers and support the community, unquote. He tells me of the question of how he sees Glumberland standing in the scene and what Ooblitz has done bringing more attention to it. Quote, we've been participating in their events and stuff since the beginning, but the key pillars of the movement are the individuals on their team, unquote. As you will have heard earlier, Taylor cited Ooblets as one of the games that basically helped inspire the creation of the Wholesome Games account. But Ooblets has also helped shape other wholesome or cozy developers as well. 
Subliminal Gaming's Ryan Woodward talks of how the game's Discord server was instrumental when first showing off its platformer Button City for getting the attention of the Wholesome Games Twitter account. Uh, they found us. They being the Wholesome Games Twitter and Taylor. Uh, they found us. Um, I think it was because we posted our game on the Ooblets uh, Discord because they had like a little share space or something, or maybe on Twitter or something. And um, uh, we found the Wholesome you know, Discord and joined up with their community. They really liked what we were doing. And, um, you know, we just found a really great community of uh, friends who wanted to uh, make and enjoy, you know, um, just, you know, like a more chill, pastel I guess, uh, type of experience that you normally wouldn't get within, like, the, I guess, typical game space. Wassler tells Play Diaries that Glumberland, quote, try to be supportive and helpful to other game developers in general, wherever we can, unquote. I would never say that Wholesome Games can't have violence or anything like that, but Ooblet's like, when they did that thing where they went to dance battles, and it was the right decision for them in that game, in that context, with those characters, uh, that certainly made me think a little more deeply about, like, you know, like, trying to buck trends and find new mechanics and new ways to express things that maybe games weren't uh, doing normally. So I, I do think it's fair to say Ooblets kind of drove a lot, but to be fair to uh, Ryan and Shantine, Button City is like a definitely an original wholesome game, like one of the first, first games I posted on the account. So uh, they in and of themselves helped inspire the account. Yeah, actually when we started the Discord, it was kind of like blog rings from back in the day like one of the original ideas for us on discord was that it would just be like we, we weren't even planning on it being a destination in itself it was just going to be like we're going to like find these uh indie games in development and we're going to have like a channel for each one where they can like say here's what our game is and here's where you can find our server about it so like uh it was just sort of like uh supposed to be this nexus for for finding other wholesome game servers um, and Ooblets and Button City and Snacko, like a few of those games were part of that, like, original, like, five people in the blog ring. Um, and I, th I think that's part of Ooblets, like, why it feels so important to us, too, is that at that time when Wholesome Games probably had 50 followers, like, Ooblets, uh, Ben and Rebecca being like, yeah, we'll, we'll be part of this. We were like, Oh my god, like, Ooblets will be part of our... Like, even though it was, like, basically just a link to their server, like, we were we were so thrilled. Uh, Matthew and I made music before we got into games, and, like, that world is so much, like, less connected, I guess, in terms of, like, uh, if I, like, email my favorite musician, I'm probably not going to get a response, but it was it was so wild to, like, move into games and like well here's like the game we're most excited about and you can message the developer and get like a real response from them um so i think that was really cool and, and i'm still starstruck by ben and rebecca just yeah. to be clear <laughs> i admittedly didn't really know of the wholesome games twitter account until if I recall, around the start of 2020. But when it came to wholesome or cozy games as a whole, outside of Animal Crossing or even to a lesser extent Harvest Moon, 
I didn't really have an understanding of them. It was when I saw a friend of mine stream cozy and wholesome games on a regular basis on Twitch that I started getting at least a basic understanding of them. The one game that sticks out in particular from that time is A Short Hike. A game that I wouldn't have had any interest in playing had I not seen that friend of mine play it, the game has actually gone on to become a success story and been made available on numerous platforms since its initial PC launch. To my eternal shame, I've still yet to play it despite it being in my backlog from the summer 2020 itch.io Black Lives Matter bundle and also being very very short at around 90 minutes long. But as a result of that friend, I now have a much wider understanding of cozy and wholesome games. And that's down to the work from the Wholesome Games Twitter. And obviously, a lot of that is down to a much wider audience following and bigger reach as a result. Here's Matthew Taylor again. Once a day, someone will tweet at me and say, wow, I can't, but like one of the most authentic impressions I get is someone tagging their friend and saying, look, a whole feed of games like blank. Uh, and of course, it's like James said earlier, like the games are really varied and yet people know exactly that it's exactly what they were looking for when they see it. So uh, that's definitely been a really cool thing to introduce people to so many games. And what's been really exciting too is because um, <clears throat> I remember sort of back in the day when I was when I was starting out streaming and content creation. I hadn't met James or Matthew yet, um, and it felt very alone to, um, again, be seeking out these games and playing these games because nobody was really featuring them. And now on Twitch and YouTube and TikTok, I mean, the number of content creators who are focusing specifically on wholesome games, on cozy games, on fostering communities of people who play games who aren't, uh, you know, of the normal gamer sort of cloth, I think has been really exciting to see. So it's not just like on our end, us curating games and sort of talking about them, but it's encouraged other people to do that. Um, and that's been really exciting, I think, for me to see in particular. Let's play a game, shall we? When it comes to defining what the term wholesome means, what are the first things that come to your head? Cozy? Colourful? Delightful? While those are definitely elements that you can correctly tie to the definition of the word, as well as the three core pillars from the Cozy Games Manifesto of safety, a sense of abundance, and softness that I alluded to at the start of the episode, they're not the be-all end-all. In fact, just before this year's Wholesome Direct, a brouhaha kicked off on certain things around the showcase. One was whether a presentation should happen involving just these sorts of games. They should. But the other was how the word wholesome was used as a blanket term for certain games, and if it could be misconstrued when there's a potential toxic positivity aspect to it. And unlike the first thing, the second thing was, and is, worthy of discussion. But even when wholesome and cozy games are those things, does that necessarily mean they have to be just those things? Wholesome and cozy? Before the Wholesome Direct, the Wholesome Games organizers put out an FAQ on its website that answered a set of questions. But among them are four key questions that it answered. To quote shortened answers of these questions per that FAQ, what makes a game wholesome? That's up to you to decide. It's subjective. 
And we, we being Wholesome Games, don't want to pretend that it isn't. Okay, but I hate the word wholesome. Honestly, so do we sometimes. Again, we being Wholesome Games. Toxic positivity is a real problem. And lots of words and ideas like wholesome, or family values, have been warped into dog whistles and harmful purity tests or used to dismiss serious concerns. Are non-wholesome games bad? Not at all. Wholesome games is not a synonym for good games, and we believe every type of game can, and should, coexist, including the scary and violent games that we don't curate. Are wholesome games political? We believe everything, especially the media we create and consume, is political. We actively avoid hateful content, bigotry, and developers who have been exploitive or otherwise abusive, and we encourage developers to use their voices to support where they cause us. By her own admission, skateboard director Megan Fox, speaking to Play Diaries on where she sees the wholesome games movement progressing and how she and Skatebird fit into it, does have some concerns amid the blowback seen earlier in the year. Well, Wholesome Games movement started with the um, Cozy Games Manifesto, and that's kind of what started this whole thing. Since then, we've had progressively more market share for them, but also I think there's been a kind of uh, blanding. Like, as the movement grows, what a wholesome game is either... uh, it kind of congeals, it kind of firms up, it's less, I don't know, it increasingly becomes a brand, and I think people are starting to react to that brand somewhat negatively. Like, it's just, it's a national thing right now, and Wholesome Games was awesome regardless. But there is going to be a backlash to Wholesome Games either being uh, unchallenging in a way that doesn't help or there is going to be an increasing push against games that attempt to use the wholesome brand or wholesome uh, vibe to mask less than stellar things mm-hmm. which yeah it, there's there's going to be you're already seeing pushback against wholesome but not not like the wholesome games showcase but the concept of wholesome mm. games here's taylor again i think it was very important to put out before the direct because the whole goal of the direct is to put the uh, focus on the developers so it would have been a real shame if we made something like that and people were still asking these questions about the host instead of about the game so it was very good to get it out there before and answer those questions and I think a lot of the answers to those questions had been floating around and actually a couple developers came to us and said hey I know all this stuff about you guys but can you put it all in one space like can can you make it really easy for anyone who sees wholesome games maybe has a bad first impression, maybe just hates the word wholesome, whatever it may be. There are lots of genuine concerns. Uh, can you put it all in an easy-to-find space and make, make this stuff known? And that's really what the FAQ was. And it was, it was definitely a response in part to some of the misinterpretations that were out there shortly before the Direct, which basically coincided with the Direct getting that press, like that first uh, kind of marketing push uh, when we put out a press release. In regards to games that are more than just being wholesome or cozy, there are quite a few games that on the surface seem like they're just wholesome, but are actually covering serious but meaningful topics. One of which we covered in a previous episode of Press Play around climate change, climate control and environmentalism. Laudanot from Moon Lagoon, albeit 
Hollywood's going about it is in a very subtle way. Here's creative director Ricardo Escobar. With Lotto Not, we want, like, obviously we're just into colorful and cute aesthetics, but mm. um, we also would kind of like it to serve as a framework to uh, not, you know, just have everything be overly saccharine and easygoing and there are no problems with the world when you play this game, but maybe as a way of grappling with issues in a more approachable way. So something we've been uh, kind of dealing with is our game started as, yeah, we just wanted to make an underwater chat garden and it has evolved into having these pretty heavy topics about um, ocean restoration and climate change and what can happen, you know, if uh, corporations go unchecked and totally ruin a planet's ecosystem. Uh, so it's been uh, a difficult balance for us to achieve in terms of uh, not having those themes be too heavy-handed, but still having them be present. Uh, and how do you make a game that's really lighthearted and supposed to be relaxing, uh, but it's taking place on a planet that has absolutely been, has basically suffered an ecological disaster at the hands of uh, corporate greed. So kind of merging those two aspects of, you know, the very cute and happy aesthetic with you know, a very real and not so happy premise that uh, is hopefully relevant to uh, a lot of the issues that we're handling, we're dealing with right now on Earth in terms of climate change and our oceans and stuff like that. Another game that is delving into that is Game Director Story, a quite meta jab at how games are made through anthropomorphic stuffed toys and delves into serious topics in the AAA games industry. Crunch, misconduct, money and more. Developer Double Blit Games is able to tap into that thanks to founder Fernando Mello's experiences as former senior producer on Dragon Age and Mass Effect at Bioware as well as 2K. He tells Play Diaries that with the sort of games we're starting to see in the space, you get an idea of what developers are looking to tell within their games. I mean, it's fantastic to see, and I hope you know it continues to go up and up in stride. Mm. Um, and I think it, you know it's, it does speak volumes to. There's also a, a maturing, I think, of our industry and our audience. Like our audience is growing, and I think there's a bigger recognition of that. Um, that it's a lot more diverse as well. And I think it's amazing to see not just um, the audience growing, but then the content that comes with it and developers that are able to produce those experiences that are, again, are coming, they're much more heartfelt, they're much more uh, personable stories. Um, and I think that's amazing like that. We are a storytelling medium. Um, and I think w one of the things that always strikes me with a lot of the indie games and what drew me to it is exactly that is I think it kind of wears its heart on its sleeve. Mm. Um, you can you can kind of like you get a sense of the developers and, and you get a real sense of what they're the message they're trying to convey with this, uh, their title, right? So, mm. and I love that about it.
Wholesome Games also allows for more of an opportunity to tell quite personal stories in key but different and interesting ways. One of those is from Trent Garlip and his game A Walk With Yaya, a game shown during this year's Wholesome Direct where you accompany your grandmother on a walk after she's had a nasty fall that also has big vibes of mother. The game is actually biographical considering that's actually what happened to Garlip's grandmother a few years ago. A Walk With Yaya also represents the kind of mundane storytelling that Garlip likes to see. It's the kind of thing where like, I like the games that tell like a high concept story that like uses themes that are like grounded in reality, but like they go somewhere else with it. Like our Kentucky Route Zero is about like, like labor and stuff like that, but it's like a very magical, realistic thing. So it's it's still completely separate from that, and like you can't directly relate your own life to that game very much. And so a lot of people won't get those things out of it, I guess. And so telling a more direct, like, no, this is this is a story that relates to the real world in a more direct way than something like that. I think that kind of story is always really interesting to me and important and i i really like those other kinds of stories but i feel like there are a lot of them in games and not a lot of the more realistic stuff because people are so afraid of like oh well this won't be fun or who's gonna want to play this thing like they i think people underestimate the empathy that like a lot of people who play video games have and want to experience someone else's being in someone else's shoes for a little while, you know? So considering what has just been outlined in terms of the types of games that want to tell something meaningful with their own wholesome games, and the four main questions it outlined in its FAQ on its website, what defines the word wholesome for Matthew Taylor, James Tillman, and Jenny Wyndham? One of the first ways I described it on Twitter was like just describing games by how they made you feel instead of necessarily what mechanics are in there. And I think that's why like we get into this, is it a genre kind of conversation? Because typically genres are very strictly the mechanics. It's a fighting game, it's a first-person shooter game, whatever. Uh, I think in our Twitter bio, I describe it as um, thoughtful, uplifting, compassionate, cozy. I really like uplifting and thoughtful because I think it describes games like Spirit Fair or something where like you can absolutely cry, it can get into dark themes, but at the end of the day there's some element of humanity and hopefulness uh, there. So I, I think those are kind of the, the elements I look for. And those are the things that like like Jenny was saying, like it's very easy to just slap on a cute aesthetic onto a game that otherwise doesn't have those elements. So I'm always kind of trying to look beneath the surface and, and find those elements. Yeah, I, I think uplifting is really important for me. I, I think that's how you end up in a situation where someone describes a game like Yakuza Like a Dragon as wholesome because they see, yes, it's a game with lots of like threats and danger and bad things happen, um, but it's not a game that says, like, these bad things happen and it's game over. The world just sucks. Like, it's it's one that says... Sure, these things happen to you, but it it gives a path forward, I guess. Like, even if it's hard, um, there is a path. There's a reason to keep going, and I think that's a, a, big, a big part of it for me. I think I 100% agree with everything they've said. <laughs> um, and to, to add to that, I think one thing I've realized is... We see this a lot, especially in sort of Studio Ghibli films, but magic in the mundane is how I like to put it, where there's, 
it, it's not just um, it, it's taking things that we sort of take for granted, like cooking, I think, is a really great example where it's something that is part of our lives and we often don't give it a second thought. Um, mm. But when a game that has like uh, like you're making soup, you're making hot pot and it just be, it creates this magical experience around a, around a mundane seeming activity i think that for me is a really key component of what makes games personally wholesome you may have heard just then tillman mention how yakuza like a dragon be potentially be perceived as a wholesome game in its own right on paper it's not because it's basically a crime game surrounding a criminal organization but besides its goofiness it can also show off aspects of how wholesome some of its side stories and characters can be. I can't speak of the experience within Like a Dragon as I've not played it yet, but I can speak a little of this in relation to Yakuza 0 and the bit of that I've played. There are certain side stories involving one of the game's two main protagonists, and in fact the franchise's main protagonist for the Yakuza 6, Kazuma Kiru. Here, besides going on side missions that are Again, goofy. Kiru seems to shun toxic masculinity, seems to be incredibly progressive in his worldviews in what is otherwise considered a conservative circle, and is not afraid to show a goofy and fun side now and then. In Final Fantasy XV, you see a male face in friendship that seems to be embraceive, caring and strong in a road trip that sees them face incredibly massive and arduous challenges. That's to say the least of Ignis's proclamation every now and then in the middle of the game of finding a new recipe. And speaking of food, if you listen to the season 5 finale of my favourite game back in May of this year, you will have heard me speak of my beef <laughs> and issues with Persona 5 with Roll 7s and Issa Sanusi. One of them, however, is not some of the quieter moments in the game, some of which you can find in Café Le Blanc when hanging with your group of friends, and fellow Phantom Thieves. Even in the most AAA of games, you'll find elements of these wholesome moments. Here's James Tillman with a very surprising and very unlikely pick, but one that makes sense when you hear him speak of it. One we talked about a lot when it came out was uh, Death Stranding, like how many moments in that game, uh, like every time you make a delivery, like they really go out of their way to have people say like, thank you so much, like, we really needed this, and you really helped us by by doing this, like, I, I guess the whole, like, focus on making connections, as opposed to, like, splitting people apart, um, or driving enemies away, like, I, I think that's something that is really compelling, like, I mean, I, I think the, the presence of wholesome elements, and otherwise what we'd consider, like, not wholesome games, is... Like, that that has to be the case for wholesome games to be something that's interesting and something that lasts because it means the things that make a game wholesome are interesting enough that you would want to include them in a non-wholesome game. Like, it's, it's not purely an aesthetic decision. It's not purely, uh, we're going to make this game look, like, soft and colorful. It's, uh, it's some, like, fundamentally interesting good feeling things that uh, any game can sort of take advantage of. And it kind of goes to show you like 
I don't know. Obviously, there have been games for a long time that had wholesome elements, but like we we started with a pretty low bar, I think, in the game industry. Because right now we're discussing like something as basic as friendship as being something that's like wholesome, and it's like it's not. It's just like it's a part of being alive. It's a part of like making a a dynamic piece it's, of media. It's, it's basic. It's basic humanism. Yeah, exactly. So like, it, it, I think that's why wholesome games are needed because like this has got to be in the conversation for every game. Like, I'm not saying every game needs a friendship mechanic, but like, it certainly shouldn't be something where we're like, wow, I can't believe an otherwise you know normal quote unquote game has this element. So there's uh, a part in Chrono Trigger, like speaking of a pretty old game with a wholesome element, where uh, it's like back in the past and there's this family that lives on a farm and the field's like gone totally barren. It's like a desert and you have this robot character in your party and you leave him there and go to the future and over the course of like a thousand years he's like terraformed that farm and like rescued it so that uh, that like or I guess I've got it backwards. You like go back to the past and like basically save that farm before those people exist um by letting your like robot character who's i guess immortal um (laughs) like terraform and like improve that land over the course of like millennia uh and what what just like uh i don't know it's it's tough to even like put a label on it and call it like wholesome or anything like that because it's just like I don't know that I would play games if they never had elements like that, if there were never these moments where you were just like... Just sort of typical games, basically. Yeah, it's just like, this This is my goal as, like, a human, is to, like, make the world, like, better in some way, to, like, have an impact on someone's life, that, like, they're... I, I want them to be better off in some way than they were before they met me, and it's like... If if games didn't give me an opportunity to explore that and engage with that feeling, I don't I don't know that I would be that interested. Like at that point, then mm-hmm. to me it's like purely like my reflexes, which suck. <laughs> like uh, I'm I'm not that great at like other parts of games, but uh, I I think that that's why I grew up playing so many RPGs was because those were those felt like the games where it was uh a way to explore like feelings and ideas and that that's something that i've always been drawn to i mean most games no matter what are going to present you with a conflict and you're the hero in most games but in wholesome games like the answer to that conflict is not kill the kill the bad guys like the other side so i think that's what's interesting because like what you just described in chrono trigger like you're the good guy in that game for most of the game being a good guy pardon me for most of the game, being a good guy means killing the bad guys. But in this moment, it was like helping this family that you maybe didn't even know that well. And it was completely I mean, unrelated. In fairness, I think there's a monster under the desert that turns it into a desert. So you have to <laughs> oh, kill, no. kill something, too. <laughs> okay, okay. It was the 90s. Like, it was the time. But I no, think no. The, the evolution of that is today we talk about a short hike. And it's a game I always reference this moment where there's a character that you can buy a hat from. And... They make this straw hat. You can buy it for, like, 50 coins, whatever the currency is. Um, and then you have the opportunity to say, like, no, it's worth more. Your your time was worth more than that. I'm going to pay you more. And, like, you can pay them more, and you don't get anything extra for it. It's just, like I mentioned before, it's a way to 
sort of like engage with the goodness in you like it's it's a way to like role play a better world a world where you say like i i want people to feel appreciated um and i think that's really cool Mm. yeah I was I I wanted to mirror that um, sentiment exactly because I found I mentioned earlier that a lot of time in college I I went through this like <laughs> crisis in gaming where I re- I was like none of these games allow me to behave the way I want to behave I don't if I was in this situation I would want to problem solve in a very different way and so just like James is saying having games that have alternatives to the sort of run and gun problem solving tactic that's in many titles has been really Mm. exciting um and and from a more macro standpoint and like just a games standpoint i think it's much more interesting and exciting that we've gone from i think this sort of like low-hanging fruit of most extreme emotions adrenaline uh you know action horror and we've started to delve into this sort of next tier of hey here are ways we can play with softness and and not being violent and i think what's really exciting is the games that are starting to maybe aren't necessarily wholesome but integrate wholesome elements are doing what is sort of this next i don't want to call them generation per se but they're doing something more and providing more dynamic experiences for us as players so as humans we are not 100 percent violent all the time or 100 percent cozy all the time and so when games integrate that and have like volume levels and yeah like dynamic levels it allows us to just also have better games so i think what's really exciting is um when we've mentioned this before in other talks we've done but like can you pet the dog <laughs> i think that's an experience that games now kind of in put in even if they're not wholesome because it uh, provides a different sense of pacing a moment of levity a moment of gentleness amidst everything else regardless of the game genre i think nearly every game now has a pet something (laughs) mechanic (laughs) so it's really neat to see uh games of all types being pushed to think differently about how players will engage Just to touch back on that Death Stranding example from Tillman. I think I mentioned that one at the uh, PAX panel we did. Because I, I was mm-hmm. like, I want Is there something I can say that would like get booed? Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to push a button and see... Yeah. Yeah, I, if yeah, when I mentioned Untitled crowd. Goose Game, it was like standing ovation. <laughs> and I was like, what can I say that this crowd's going to be like, hmm... Let me think about that. Boo! <laughs> I, w- I was in the crowd as a plant. I get up, yeah. walk away angry. In May 2020, just as the pandemic was taking shape and seemed to progressively ramp up and up, and just as lockdown began, events were getting cancelled left, right and centre. Initial events that year like CES and PAX East took place, but after that, events started dropping quickly. No GDC in San Francisco, no PAX West in Seattle, no EGX in London, no Gamescom in Cologne, no Tokyo Game Show, and... In particular, 
No E3 in Los Angeles, an event that deserved, and still does deserve even now, recent criticisms at the time, but for all its faults, was still seen as the flagship event the industry rallies around every June. As a result, a gap was open for some organisations and groups to gain an audience they would not be able to get amid the usual E3 cycle of Saturday through the Thursday of press conferences and the Los Angeles Convention Centre show floor, respectively, through online broadcasts. An opportunity was there for Wholesome Games to host its own showcase and provide a spotlight to half a dozen developers who otherwise would have very little to no chance of appearing as part of a traditional E3 showcase or press conference. It all goes back to the brothers Taylor and Tillman having fond memories of watching E3 press conferences together with a late friend of theirs. Not to, not to be such a downer, but literally the E3 before um, the pandemic stuff was my last E3 with my friend Steve, who passed away, and we would always get together with Steve for E3. Like, I have so many E3 mo- memories with Steve, and that was the E3 where... Uh, New Horizons was announced, and it was just like a big deal in general. And so we dedicated that first direct to Steve, and we, we've dedicated both of them to him. And that's just a great example. Like I love these showcases, so the idea of getting to put together our own was really cool. Well, and it gave us this motivation of like we're going to try to put together a showcase that like Steve would enjoy. Like it, it's not purely <laughs> about. I, I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't say this. It's not purely about, like, promoting any particular game or anything like that. It's about, like, making a showcase that uh, is as fun for people today as, like, watching those showcases growing up was for us. Uh, when I say growing up, I mean, like, until still today. <laughs> so, growing up. Uh, yeah. Continuing to grow up. Um, I, I will say it was a little nerve-wracking because, like, in the same way you know, Ooblets or whatever, took hold of the Discord, and, like, we were surprised that they would be engaged with it. Same thing with the Wholesome Direct, where, like, I'm surprised that they offered a completely original, really cool trailer, because at the end of the day, that's what's going to make or break it, is, like, how many people want to contribute to it, and are they willing to contribute good stuff, or are they just, like, sending you the same trailer they're going to send to everybody else, and there's no reason to watch it. Well, and Uh, we find out that, like, Ooblets and Spirit Fair and these games that like we really are excited about are like taking part in it we're like oh god we've never done this before like what if what if everyone <laughs> like agrees to like pitch in for this and then no one sees it like what we we really don't want to drop the ball on this because we've got 50 developers counting on us the potential of hosting a showcase picked up after pax east and when events were starting to be cancelled the term CozyCon was even mentioned by Wyndham from the back of the PAX East panel that Wholesome Games held just before lockdown. CozyCon <laughs> is something I've dreamed of for years. For the first showcase, a Google form was made available to developers that merely said, Are you interested in saying this? Like, what would you do? Would you, like, co-stream it? Would you submit a game? Would yeah, you help us I, edit it? Testament to how little interest we thought there might be, <laughs> one of the options on our, like, survey was, I will watch it. Like, we we were, like, <laughs> just going to see, like, is this something people are interested in at all? The sign-up sheet had 300 people, but that was just folks who had said they'd watch it, according to Taylor. But there was still clearly enough interest there to do something with it. So in May of 2020, Wholesome Games held its first hour-long Wholesome Direct, akin to that of, well, a Nintendo Direct, featuring the likes of Button City, Ooblets, Hoa, 
Snacko and more. And in a traditional summer E3 announce period that had everything ramping up to the launch of the next gen machines and a bona fide reveal event of one of them in the form of PlayStation 5, Wholesome Games managed to hold what was arguably the best showcase event of the summer for how earnest and unique it was compared to the usual heavy hitters. After that, two shorter showcases known as Wholesome Snacks aired in August 2020 and December 2020, the latter very Christmassy themed, before coming back to prepare for this year's main Wholesome Direct showcase once again. And this year's Direct had a big thing going for it. While not part of the official programming for this year's online-only show from organisers the ESA, it found itself in a sweet spot on being part of the first day of the online return of E3, following up the second of a two-weekend presentation of the Gorilla Collective and just before events from Ubisoft and Devolver Digital. So, how does one plan for a showcase like a wholesome direct? It, it's a lot of Google Forms. It's a lot of Google spreadsheets. Uh, like Man, it's really it simple. Like Six hundred emails. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the first step is just gathering the games, and we did that through a Google Form, and that's something I'm really proud of. That's something we took uh, inspiration from Day of the Devs. Where like I always appreciate it as an indie developer that it's really simple. There's just a form, submit a trailer, build whatever it is. Like if it's a very level playing field for everyone. So we got all those, and then we all got in a big discord call and went over a list and said okay this one's we think this is a guarantee this one's on the verge this one's maybe a no because of this or that like literally looking through every trailer and then like james said i just start sending emails um trying to get everyone on board get everyone on board with like what element of this is going to be exclusive how long is it going to run like trying to make sure everything times up uh some developers want to contribute like interviews which i think is really cool like a good way to show the the people behind the games and uh yeah it just goes from there just trying to kind of create some deadlines i think we are pretty strict about like the length of each mm. developer segment and i i feel like that's mm. a big part of it um mm. I, yeah i i, I uh, just think that's that's a major factor in how the wholesome direct stays entertaining um, i think one thing to add that um mm. i don't think matthew's touched on was um even after the games are selected um people are submitting all of their video footage we have volunteers who are helping translate it to multiple languages um as, as well as you know the myself and the co-host recording so what's really exciting i think about the wholesome direct in particular is that i i don't know of any other direct that or any other showcase that really tries to provide um like language options in the ways that wholesome does and i think that has a community that's like translating and helping make it happen so it's it really like beyond just even the developers it's a team effort to make sure that as many people can watch it as as Mm. possible and what of wyndham's role on camera i really have the most fun and easy job, <laughs> I think. Um, so what happens is Matthew and James, they help create a script um, for myself and the co-hosts who are involved. Um, we usually get the script you know, before recording. We look at it, you know, sort of get familiar with it, and we just take a couple of hours to, to get into sort of a virtual recording booth together and, and make sure it all sort of comes out okay. Um, yeah, and it's been honestly just a real joy participating in the process each time. Um, while I do help with the initial sort of review of games and that big spreadsheet um, that Matthew was talking about, I also tried not to, um, 
And I think there was maybe a trailer or two that was kept secret from me because I know that there was one surprise that we watched uh, that I didn't oh, see. Yeah, before. Yeah, that was, that was and so that was really cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, it really is just like, it's so cheesy, but it doesn't feel like work at all, at least from that end of things, um, mm. because it's just so fun, because really it's us hanging out, talking about these games, recording our reactions to seeing trailers, and um, just enjoying yeah. each other's company, which is great. <laughs> yeah, this year I really did want it to feel like you were just watching the mm-hmm. the showcase with these three cool people, and, and that's an element of it that makes it really fun, like, knowing mm-hmm. that Jenny is genuinely very excited for a game like Yokai in, like, it makes it more fun to get that trailer and be like, oh my god, I can't wait to show this yeah, to Jenny. Those, like, those this is going to be so were, cool. Were real? Those, that was the, like, first time the hosts were seeing those trailers? Yeah. This year's Wholesome Direct featured updates on the likes of games that were featured in the Direct the year before, including Hoa, Ooblets, Button Surrey, Garden Story, Snacko, and more, as well as games like We Are OK, Paralives, Moonglow Bay, Game Direct Story, Skatebird, A Walk with Yaya, and Lodonot, which ended the show as the one more thing. Also shown as part of the Wholesome Direct was A Little to the Left, a puzzle game from Lucas Steinman and Annie McMillan of developer Max Inferno that was first born from the Game Maker's Toolkit Game Jam. In it, you arrange household items in your house. Sounds simple, right? Except you have to deal with a mischievous cat who is doing cat things and just messing everything up. Here's Simon. I will say that wholesome games, they play a really big part in my um, my kind of formation or, or stepping into the game development world. Um, I, I come from a background in software design and was doing like enterprise level software and um, was doing some hobbyist kind of game dev stuff, um, exploring some, you know, personal ideas uh, and with, you know, kind of interactive fiction formats and, and that kind of thing. and. The folks, it was, I think, the uh, the Wholesome Games Discord was kind of one of my first places to reach out to other game devs and ask some questions about, hey, you know, I'm, I'm interested in developing games. Like, I don't even know where to start kind of thing. And they were so um, generous with kind of, you know, em- embracing um, someone new to the industry. Another key game as part of the Direct was one that was making its official reveal in it. Dinosaur slash Paleo Life Sim Villager game, Amber Out, coming from Ambertail Games, who had only just announced their formation six months earlier on the cusp of Christmas 2020. Glimpses of work in progress stuff had been shown to its community as part of an inside look into its development, but the wholesome direct was, for all intents and purposes, Amber Isle's coming out party. 
speaking separately from something you'll hear next year. Ambertail Games co-founder and Amber Isle creative director Jordan Bradley tells Play Diaries of the nerves she had seeing the game as it got a key spot towards the end of the Wholesome Direct. Here's a little spoiler. Related to the thing you'll hear next year, Bradley is the first and only guest we're announcing before the official guest lineup reveal next year for season 6 of My Favourite Game. Also really funny was that I didn't realise that the Wholesome Game, uh, the Wholesome Game stream was going to be technically part of E3. I didn't know that um, until like a week before and obviously Nolan and I were just kind of like, what? Oh my god. Like it was part of the little indie, you know, like the yeah, gorilla yeah. indie collective. Um, so we didn't we didn't know that we thought it was kind of like its own independent thing that was done just like simultaneously with we didn't know it was a, i mean it, it was it was officially independent but it was part of sort of the whole e3 program and anyway. yeah, so, yeah, yeah yeah so we um that blew our minds a little i was so nervous um i was actually um like you know just pure i i, I couldn't settle basically all that day um and yeah, it was just it was it was really nice. It was crazy, um, and it was around about that time whenever um, you know we were getting loads of publishers sort of like asking about us and people um, you know asking if we needed help with like, do you need help with music or sound design or programming? And we we're kind of like, no, we, we, we like we're, we we were just like running off uh, NI screen funds. It was just two of us. Like we didn't have a studio or a team set up. Like we weren't at the stage to be pitching to publishers yet. But suddenly it kind of like, it just ignited this sort of like marathon to, well, you know, strike while the iron's hot, I suppose. Um, is that it? Yeah. yeah. There's a, there was obviously a lot of great games in that show because that's actually how I basically sort of curated all these interviews over the past month, month and a half. <laughs> but like the one big game in particular that stood out for me is actually from my part of the woods, which is Northern Ireland. And about 90 minutes from here is Belfast. And that is where... Amber Taylor mm. making Amber out, mm. Jordan Bradley and Noel Waters. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited to see them just sort of get their moment. And like, I was actually with um, Jordan and Noel about a week before the direct. And we we're just sort of talking about, oh, it's good. like, how, how do you guys feel about just sort of being part of the showcase? Just sort of, how, like, are you scared? Are you nervous? Because it was like the first big showing of the game. Um, and like, they'd only been set up like, six months since um they left their last gig and it's just like is it, are are you nervous are you scared like how do you feel it's just it was just it was generally wonderful just to talk to them about that and then and then when i saw um amber in the direct it was just basically the equivalent of that scene in once upon a time with leo dicaprio that sort of moment going like <laughs> i know i know them i know them <laughs> I think that's like so one of the best things about the online showcases is that sort of accessibility that like mm-hmm. uh, it costs a fortune to come from like Ireland or anywhere else to like the US and there are like passport issues and all these other things for uh, for like showcasing in person and then online it's it's a way more level playing field like there's uh, language gaps sometimes there's definitely time zones that are a problem. Um, but it's it's something we we really like try to be mindful of. Like one one thing that I was really happy with is uh, last year when we did the holiday snack, we we very purposefully wanted to represent like 
yes and the northern hemisphere for a lot of us we like associate this time of year with like snow and like cold weather but we we want to make sure like we know there are developers in this who are from places that are like hot as hell right now so Mm -hmm. uh it, it was really nice like in the middle of that we have uh paulina from uh dragon bear studio um like out in the park and it's like super sunny like introducing yeah that's an example of developers being game for anything because i was like i think it'd be really funny if you were like just summering like while talking about the holidays i'm so glad actually you sort of put amber out close to the end because then i think that sort of made the anticipation for it build a bit more anyway It, it it was such a wonderful moment like i remember actually um uh, so Twitch actually runs ahead of YouTube for by about 30, 45 seconds. Yeah. And I remember watching Twitch, like a lot of the NIGDN Discord, uh, the Northern Ireland Game Dev Network Discord, was watching on YouTube. And I was watching on Twitch because I, I was also sort of covering it for Play Diaries. And they were behind. And I saw the I saw Amber Isle pop up because I had actually seen the trailer just before the Wholesome Direct uh, embargoed by jo- Jordan. And I, I recognized the sort of first few seconds immediately go like that's it that's it and then i pushed the the gif of leo in once upon a time and the discord is like johnny we're, we're about 30 <laughs> seconds it's like and then and then someone basically i posted the gif and then someone basically posted an image of it then when it came up on youtube it's just like yeah, whatever i i i have the best reaction i have a gif you have just basically <laughs> When asked if plans to hold a wholesome snack stream before the end of the year, Taylor says there were, keyword here, were, no plans to do so. Although, bear in mind, we did do this interview back in August. As he says, plans for a wholesome snack presentation, as well as other little trinkets wholesome games have done, such as a release of a vinyl record, have formulated very quickly in the past. With the snacks specifically, like the first one came about because we had friends at Serenity Forge that were like, hey, we've got like three games we can announce. Like, And, you know, that in and of itself is, is really cool. Uh, and then, you know, we thought, oh, it would be neat to like have some updates from developers that you saw in the direct, like Button City and Snacko. And then the holiday snack, it was just... I don't, I don't even know how that one came about. I think we just thought, like, hey, there's kind of this dead zone in the industry where nothing happens. It'd be fun if we had this, like, cozy little showcase and made it, like, holiday-themed. Uh, so we're still kind of waiting on that next idea, like, what, what would make another snack interesting. Uh, but I will say it's really cool to do the big bombastic directs with, like, 60-plus games. Like, that gets a lot of people to tune in. And when those people tune in, it helps the developers. So there's always got to be kind of that hook there that that makes it make sense for developers to get involved. If you need more proof that plans can formulate very quickly, less than a week before this episode comes out, and just I thought as I was done producing it and other bits tied to it, Wholesome Games announced a Wholesome Snack presentation. As of this episode of Press Play going out, that'll happen this coming Saturday, November 13th, at 8pm GMT, 3pm US Eastern, and 12pm US Pacific. Naturally, you'll be able to watch that live on PlayDiaries.com. But when it comes to the big hour-long presentations, like with the Wholesome Direct, don't expect them anytime outside of summer. Wholesome Direct has now built its place within the traditional E3 period. I think so, especially as long as 
you know, as long as those opportunities exist with places like Twitch and stuff, because it's such a relief to have that guaranteed audience that are going to see the games. Because like I said, I'm always so nervous that developers are going to put a lot of work into it and then no one will see it. Uh, so as long as that opportunity exists, um, I think they'll probably stay around E3. And that's kind of just the spirit of it in general is the, the E3 vibe. As I've said to a few devs over the past few months, it's difficult for me to know what to call wholesome and cozy games going forward. Is it still a movement? Is it something that can be considered its own thing? Regardless, however, it feels like, right now anyway, they are definitely having a moment. When asked what to expect next from the wholesome scene, there are varying answers. Not just from the wholesome games roundtable, but developers on some of the games we've covered here. Here's Annie McMillan from a little to the left developer Max Inferno when asked of her take on how wholesome games fit into the wider circle of the game scene. Seems to be like an interest in people's points of view as mm-hmm. opposed to reinforcing the same narrative, the same mechanics that mm-hmm. we've seen and trying to do it like like bigger or more, you know? Like yeah. Now we're, I feel like there's an interest in just diff- different points of view. Mm-hmm. And, new ways of seeing and that's really exciting and I think that hopefully means like society is like growing and like maturing mm-hmm. and becoming kinder and more inclusive mm-hmm. I mean that's what that's what I would hope but yeah I don't want to be too optimistic <laughs> <laughs> Shandine Woodward of Button City developer Subliminal Gaming tells Play Diaries she sees inclusivity already a core aspect of the community being a big part of any further expansion of the scene. I'm really curious because there's a level of inclusivity that being online brings. Because um, a lot of like indies from, especially from like around the world, um, they aren't able to go to these like large events and set up um, or like be part of um, some of the even like bigger online events. So having it kind of like that, um, having it be so grassroots online, very accessible, um, like nobody pays to get in, um, it's it brings out a lot of voices that otherwise um, get overlooked, don't have opportunities, um, or you know there are larger barriers for them to um, being in part of the um, uh, the video game space. So I'm, I'm very curious on like how that could grow. I'd like to see that because um, like inclusivity in games is very important to me. For me, I also. Th- Feel like the wholesome, wholesome kind, wholesome-ish game is all starting to become a game genre that player can be choose from, can choose from, like such as uh, Florence and other um, experience-focused game. And I think it's because um, their atmosphere and their gameplay experience is about relaxing and cozy, cozy-ish gameplay. It's because players are seeking. Uh, emotional impact besides uh, entertainment and role-playing. That is Wei Chen Lin, art director on the Ghibli-inspired Behind the Frame, which was released back in August. And also because uh, gaming has started to telling small but important themes, besides just um, uh, yeah, thrilling and, and entertaining setting. I think People are starting to, uh, gaming are starting to move in towards that specific directions 
and P that's also because players are the more um, seeking a different kind of entertainment. Amber Ale creative director Jordan Bradley puts it down to people now being a lot more multifaceted when it comes to people's gaming habits. She tells Play Diaries you can like a game like Amber Ale, Ooblets, Laudanaut, or Animal Crossing in the same breath you would a game like Resident Evil 4, Battlefield, or Metal Gear Solid 3. See, it's funny because I'm very much of the opinion that Wholesome isn't really a genre, and I know there was a lot of... Uh, you know, drama and controversy and, and uh, discussion online about wholesome games back back uh, back in in, in June. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. yeah, honestly, like you know, you can have your opinion on that. I don't really care if people think that wholesome is valid or cliche or cringe or whatever. Um, I think that there's definitely a community there of people who want to play games that take them out of their life for a little bit. Um, that are more, you know, less stressful, less urgent, more slow, more gentle, more kind. There is definitely a huge sort of growing community around that, growing sort of audience, um, especially um, as our generation gets older. We don't really have time to play a lot of games. Maybe, you know, Animal Crossing is a perfect example of that. It, it blew, like, you know, the, the sales records for the series, like, in its first week, easily, um, because it came out during lockdown, everybody was, was sad and, and lonely, and they wanted to escape to this little paradise island where mm. it was always sunshine, and everybody was kind to each other. I think people needed that. It came out when people needed it. Um, with with wholesome games, like, you know, like I said, with my taste in games, very eclectic, like, I love Animal Crossing in the same breath that I love Bioshock or Resi, mm. um, I think there's the possibility to be multifaceted, like you aren't just a two-dimensional person who only likes one genre. I I think, you know, if somebody wants to make a Twitter account of like gory, gruesome games, hell yeah, sure, there's people like that. Like I would probably follow it because, you know, I like horror games just as much as I like Animal Crossing. Ben Wastler of Ublitz developer Glumberland Feels like there are now certain stereotypical aspects of the scene that are now starting to no longer exist thanks to the evolution of the scene. Quote, There are a lot of weird hang-ups people have, or have had, about games that I feel limit valuable output, like how folks pigeonhole stuff that looks like a mobile game or derived games that use store-bought assets, unquote, he says through email. Quote, one of those hang-ups that's thankfully becoming more antiqued is that colourful, relaxing games are limited to certain age groups or genders. As the gaming audience grows and people allow themselves to accept a wider variety of approaches to games, there's going to be a commensurate increase in creative output we'll all be able to enjoy. Things like the wholesome games movement act to lift up new perspectives and voices, and I'm looking forward to more of that." Unquote. Considering how it has helped provide a bigger spotlight in some of these games over the past three years now nearly, more than anyone else, there is at least some significant sway and weight to what the team behind Wholesome Games say in the matter of its perception. So, how do they see it and where can it go next? 
Here's Matthew Taylor and James Tillman, respectively. <laughs> I, I think it's what I want genres to be. Like like I said earlier, like, you know, the current definition of genres in games, it really sticks out like a sore thumb. So I think that's why we'd be hesitant to call it a genre, because like I said, it's not mechanical at all. It's entirely about mm-hmm. how you feel and kind of what it represents. But at the same time, I'm eager to call it a genre because I would like genres to become that. Like, I think that would be a lot more descriptive and helpful for for finding games that people enjoy. So I'm full cool with genre. I think movement is like something I'm not allowed to say because it sounds really pompous. <laughs> like I've if... heard people say label, like not in labels a cool. derogatory yeah. sense of like putting labels yeah. on things, but like literally um, in the same way that like, I don't know, a record label, like especially back in the day would represent like this type of artist. And you know, like we have these standards I think uh, it, it's kind of like that, like, with wholesome games. I, I feel like there's those two important prongs where it's not just, like, identifying what our audience likes and what, like, appeals to our, like, own, like, sort of values for wholesome games, um, but also that, like, quality bar. Like, we, mm-hmm. we don't really, like, share or curate anything that's, like... Uh, uplifting but like too early like i i hesitate to say bad because i mean that's usually what it comes down to when like a game gets submitted in some way that like isn't ready for prime time yet is it's it's just a matter of like uh making sure we're like meeting people's expectations about like this is a game that's uh far enough along that it's probably going to get finished and this is a game that like is far enough along that Mm -hmm. you can like understand and appreciate from a gif like yeah what it's It's, going for it's worth your time as for jenny windham she admittedly has lost divisions of where she'd like to see this current movement grow and how it does so in the future like matthew i would love for it to become a genre eventually at some point um but i think as it stands right now um yeah, like a, a curating body um, is kind of where it's at uh, and sort of more of what James is saying in terms of um, just making sure that uh, folks know how we're curating, what we look for, what we like to present so that they know that we're the ones that they come to for, you know, that they can come to consistently. Um, what I, I do have to say is I'm really excited by the fact that there are uh other sort of genres and aesthetics that are utilizing this as well and I think that's been really exciting to see and this is kind of like maybe too big and too far away but <laughs> I feel dream like big. Genre- dream big Johnny. Well, dream big. okay I feel like genres are starting to become sort of nebulous and a thing of the past and I know this is a thing that game developers across the world are probably going to hate me for saying but I think um more and more like when i pick games i choose less by genre and more by like almost mood or intent or like the type of experience i want to go into and i think that's what wholesome games are starting to allude to is that it's like a post genre <laughs> post mechanically <laughs> <defined> genre <laughs> no I, I think you're right i think there's there's such a need for it because like we we do live in a world where people say like this game has rpg elements and they're referring to like things that are in just about every game now like yeah (laughs) uh, it it is like uh yeah it's more about the creative promise i think like that that's something we Mm -hmm. talk about amongst ourselves as developers it's like 
big picture what does this game let the player do and it's like well mm-hmm. you can go to like a psychic summer camp or you can uh like cook uh this like soup pot dish for yourself or your friends like <laughs> um i i think that's that's kind of where it it's headed is like uh it's it's not about the features that you implement to give people that experience it's about the experience mm-hmm. that you're targeting mm-hmm. mm. yeah Hmm. Who knows? Probably 50 years too early for that, so. (laughs) (laughs) With that in mind, the final words should go to Taylor, Tillman, and Wyndham on a million dollar question. What is the end game for Wholesome as a collective then? Is there even one at this point? I think a lot of it has already happened. Like I think there are a lot of a uh, lot more opportunities for these kind of games than there were a couple years ago. But James wrote the first press release for Holson Direct, the first one we did, and he had this line about like we basically just want these games to be taken as seriously as the really gritty games. Like we want to show that they're just as emotionally complex and like interesting as the games that typically win awards, because typically games like this don't get that spotlight at those award shows and stuff so i think in general like just changing that basic perception of like it's not just for kids it's not just casual like whatever it may be these games are valid and these games are out there uh i think at the end of the day like on on the real big picture side of things that's got to be one of the biggest goals i don't know it's it's uh it's it's honestly everything has surprised me so much that it's uh it's felt almost like fruitless to try to think about like what's next or what the ceiling is for this because uh if 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 we'd stuck to like what i originally thought that was it was like twitter account with 100 followers people occasionally sending in saying like you should check out this game i think it's it's cool um so as a result i i haven't spent too much time thinking about it but um I will say every time that I hear about like developers being taken advantage of in any way, whether it's like um, some sort of like promotional opportunity that turns out to be bogus, um, which there are plenty of, um, like a, a bad, like unfair publishing deal, like anything like that. And I start to think of that in the context of the connections and the resources that we have through wholesome games and like is there a way that we can get to a point where we can help people avoid that where we can um i don't want to say like right these wrongs but like when i think of it in terms of if i could prevent one like really great developer from ending up in a situation that like makes them miserable or makes them want to like quit making games then I think, well, that, that that would be worth it. Um, and so I don't know exactly what form that takes, but it, it's definitely what comes to mind for me for what I want to do next. That That's what I was going to say. Um, I think, you know, it's like the first goal was to promote and just to, you know, kind of create a space. And I think that that space is here. And I think we're going to continue to foster and cultivate and tend to the space. 
Um, but I agree. I think now that we sort of have this sort of comfort level <laughs> in where we're at, um, I find my attention looking at sustainability and what can we do to help not only create a space for devs to come in, but not just make one game and say, you know what, maybe the industry's not for me because I've had XYZ experiences, but um, find ways to allow people to sustainably create in the industry and um, make it more than just a, a place where people come and burn out after a few years. <laughs> That's ten that tends to be what happens to a lot of developers. Press Play is hosted, written, and produced by me, Johnny Cullen. Hello there, friends. Drink some water. You look like you need it. Special thanks to Farset Labs in Belfast, as well as Keila McKendry, Lena Larray, and Richard Suchet. Press Play is a podcast from PlayDiaries.com, a website that focuses on telling interesting, unique, and compelling stories about video games, the people behind them on both the AAA and indie sides, as well as culturally, and taking a look at them in a different, critical if you're hearing this on PlayDiaries.com, you're likely seeing this as part of a week of content on Wholesome Games. For more on that, keep it locked to the site. And if you're listening to this after this comes out, check out all the good stuff anyway. Still nice, warm, and delicious. Yum. This is the first of two hour-plus-long special episodes for Press Play before the end of the year. You'll hear the second one of those at the end of December. For more news on that, as well as all the future episodes of Press Play, stay tuned by keeping up to date by following our social media channels on Twitter or Facebook. Just search Play Diaries. If you like what you've heard here or read elsewhere in Play Diaries, the best way you can support us is by becoming a Patreon to our Patreon at patreon.com slash playdiaries. A dollar a month gets you in on the ground level and is massively appreciated for the work put out. Consider it a tip jar of sorts. But $2 a month gets you 24-hour exclusive access to new episodes of Press Play and my favourite game, including the upcoming new season next year featuring Ambertale Games' Jordan Bradley on before they go live publicly. As part of this episode, we've added one or two extra Patreon-only treats, including the full roundtable discussion featuring myself, Matthew Taylor, James Tillman, and Jenny Wyndham on Wholesome Games, and more that you can now see on our Patreon if you tip just $1. So if you want to watch that, become at least a $1 Patreon at patreon.com slash playdiaries. And for more stuff like this in the future, both in podcast and written form, please visit playdiaries.com. Thanks very much for listening.